we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. We're almost there. Thank you. I didn't expect to see this many faces on a snowy Sunday, but you know what? I know why you came today. It's my wife's birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally kidding. I know you came for Jesus. That's why. So thanks for being here. So glad you're here. Uh, We are in part three of this series called The Table. And if you aren't familiar with why we're doing this series, um, recently, as of February 13th, we sold this property, which we're excited about. And we purchased a newer property on Black Road here in Joliet. It's in the heart of Joliet. And we are planning a new church this fall, September 22nd, called, you guessed it, The table, that's right. And so over the last two weeks, we've been talking about why we chose that name. And so if you were here or you weren't here, uh, we we, we looked at some words from Jesus where he meets some disreputable characters, which I love. And he says, hey, come, come along with me. You just come, just come with me. And that really is the vision for our mission statement. This is how our mission statement came about. And our mission at the table will be to guide people into a forward moving relationship with Jesus. And we said, hey, just because you claim to follow Jesus doesn't mean you're actually moving forward with him. And we want that for everybody. And so last week, we took a look at another situation where we find Jesus around the table, eating with people. And, and, or excuse me, it was after Jesus had ascended, they were all gathering around the table, and there was this giant celebration. They were having these meals that were just a giant celebration. And so we said, this is the vision for where we want to go as a church. That as a church, we want, we envision a joyful, exuberant Jesus party where everybody belongs. That's the vision for our church. Like when you show up every Sunday, we want to have a party because we're celebrating what God has done in your life and in my life and in other people's lives throughout the week. And so we envision that. That's what we are looking forward to. And so today we start part three, which by the way, um, you know, it's going to be a roller coaster ride and, you know, just parents, if you have kids, I'm just warning you ahead of time, you know, it's maybe PG. So you may want to plug their ears or dismiss them back to our kids room, but it's going to be a good time. Would you pray for me? Lord, we do give thanks for this moment, this time of worship where we gather together. I pray that our minds would be open, our hearts would be receptive and that we would be transformed into your image. And it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I love the spring because it's the time that I can start mowing grass. And mowing grass for me is like this giant release. It's this opportunity when all the stress, I can just go out and get away from people. And when I mow mow grass, one of the things I love to do is listen to podcasts. How many of you listen to podcasts? If you don't know what a podcast is, come on, get it together. It's like a free book. You can listen to anyone at any time. Here's some great things. I use it all the time. Anyway, um, it's just an outlet for me to learn. But here's the thing. When I first started pastoring, I would listen to other pastors who would address their congregations and they would say things. They would say things and I'm like, yeah, you get them. In fact, I listened to this guy named Scott Daniels. He's a big you know, famous pastor in Nazarene world. And uh, so I would listen to him and he would say things to his congregation. I'm like, yes. 
So I would go and I'd sit down and I'd write out my message and, and I would include some of the things that he said to his people and that I was going to include and say to our people. And um, so I'd present it to Janelle and I'd give it to her and she'd say, you can't say that. And I would look at her and say, what do you mean? I mean, you're telling me it's okay for Scott Daniels, for Scotty to say it, but it's, it's not okay for me to say it? Yep, that's what I'm telling you. And I'd look at her and say, why? And she'd say, because. And I'd say, because is not a good reason. Like, why can't I share that? And she said, because. And what I didn't know at the time was she was right. You know, she was protecting me as her husband. And um, I did make a mistake. One time I included something from another pastor. He was talking about, hey, when it comes to Jesus, get in or get out. And this was at the beginning of our ministry. And you know this infamous line. I stood up here and I said, get in or get out. And I was referring to Jesus. And some people took that as, hey, get on board with what we're doing at church or just get out. And so some people left, which, you know, huge mistake. I apologize for, for that statement. Uh, but there, I would get so frustrated because she would tell me, you can't say that. And I'm like, but it needs to be said. Like, I want to say what needs to be said. And she said, you can't say that. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you wanted to say what needed to be said, but you couldn't say it? Right, parents, you know this, you have kids uh, if you have kids, you know this. I had to bite my tongue the other day. My kid came home and he's riding down the street, bawling his face out. And he was over at his friend's house and he just confesses. He just says, hey, uh, he's just bawling his face out. He said, I said some bad words at my friend's house. And, you know, he's, he's a PK. What would you expect? <laughs> I mean, so he's like, I said some bad words. And, and so I take a deep breath because I'm going to give him some insightful advice. I take a deep breath, and Janelle looks at me. She gives me these eyes like, you shut up and you listen. But I got something to say. And she gave me the eyes, don't you say it. And so, you know, the kid, he's confessing, he's telling the truth. And so we want it to be a moment of grace. But you, you've also had this in your job, right? You've had, to, you had an evaluation going on and... Um, Somebody comes in and you thought, man, if it could go wrong, it probably will. And it did. And you remember when they're evaluating you and they're looking at their clipboard and they're writing scathing notes about your performance. And, and, and you want to say something, but you know you can't say anything. Because if you do, you're just trying to make excuses for why you had a bad day. Uh, some of my students in here, we have this phrase, you know, when you spill the tea, right? You ever spilled the tea to somebody and then they took your tea and they spilled it all over everybody else? <laughs> That's a nice way of saying you're sharing the juice, you're sharing the goods, you're sharing what's really messy in your life. But you know that if you were to say something to them, that you would, they wouldn't believe you at all. You have this in relationships. Come on, boyfriends, girlfriends, married couples out there, you know this. The person sitting next to you annoys you day after day after day after day. And if you were to say what needs to be said, they would no longer be your significant other, Right? And I just got to be honest, I think this is the tension that we wrestle with when it comes to faith and when it comes to church. And when we talk about moving forward, sometimes we like to sugarcoat things and we just can't say in the church what needs to be said. Prime example, this week in staff meeting. Oh, we're sitting in staff meeting this week. Y'all know the story of Balaam's donkey? Y'all know this story? Yes, great story. Well, we're talking about this story and I personally love King James, you know, not LeBron James, but King James, uh, the version of it. And we were talking about it. And I said, you know, in the King James Version, we're talking about this. It says, it says, you know, this donkey runs into an angel and it goes to its knees. And then King James says, he says, Balaam smote 
the ass. Now, smote is a nice word for beat the living daylights out of this thing. I mean, just wailing on this donkey. And then King James says, but the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. And so I was saying in staff meeting, like, man, if, if God can bring about forgiveness and redemption through a low-life, stubborn donkey, except I use the King James version of it, imagine what he can do through somebody like me. And they looked at me, and some of them said, Pastor, you can't say that. And others said, yes, you can. So I use the King James version, and, and the point is this. There is great truth to that story. There's great truth to what I said, but you may not like how I said it. And I think the parallel is totally connected with Jesus. That we love the personal, save me from my sins and shut up and die on the cross, Jesus, but we don't like to say it how it needs to be said, Jesus. You don't believe me? Just, just open up the Bible to Matthew 23, where Jesus talks about the seven woes. Not like, woe is me, but woe is you. He says, woe to you Christians and Pharisees. Check this out. He goes, you go to great lengths to convert people only to make them uh, children, twice the, uh, what does he say? Twice the sons of hell that you are. He says that. You go to great lakes to convert people only to make these children twice the sons of hell that you are. Now, you ever heard a pastor preach on that? Probably not. There have been times where I've quoted Jesus like verbatim and people would come up to me and, and they'd say, I understand, Pastor, the political rhetoric that you're throwing down and you're speaking against my, my candidate. And I'm like, hey, dude, listen, I don't care about any candidate. My only allegiance is to Jesus Christ. That's it. But they took it, his words, and said, man, not like what you're throwing down here. That's why we don't like Jesus actually riding in on, that's why they kill him a few, few days later because he rode in on the donkey, not on the, the, white, the white horse. And what I think we do in church world is we take what needs to be said, Jesus' words that need to be said, and we sort of like push them aside because we only hear what needs to be, we want to hear, right? I mean, we love passages about dreams and hopes and God's future for us. But when it comes to, to God's word where he shows up and he really speaks truth into our lives, the parts of our lives that we don't want other people to see and other people to know, and when you hear those things and they sink deep in your heart, we just kind of like, nope. And I think the phenomenon that's taken over the church is that over time, we have gotten to a place where we make Jesus say what we want him to say, and we hear what we want to hear. And we are not in a place where we want to have these difficult conversations. Because when we do, something happens. Just like, you know, you're going to go home and say, Pastor said a bad word and I was going to walk out. That's exactly what happens when Jesus has difficult conversations. And so today we're going to look at a story written by a guy named Luke who really does the, the same thing. He tells us the story saying, hey, don't walk out. Literally, first service, somebody walked out when I said this. Two little guys, they just... But Luke says, hey, listen to this story. Don't walk out. I want you to lean in. I want you to listen. Because there are three conversations that are about to take place that are not just important to you, but to all humanity. And so here's what he says. Do I not have my slides today? Are we out? Okay. Sounds good. Here's what he says. 
After taking the cup, by the way, Jesus is gathered in the upper room at the last hour of his life, last few moments of his life. And he's giving his disciples these great words. And he says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom comes again. He took bread, he gave it thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the, the supper, he took the cup, and he said this, This is the cup of the new covenant in which my blood will be poured out for you. Now, hang on here. He says something we don't want to hear. He says something so difficult. He's really trying to move Judas forward in his faith in this moment. But here's what he says. But the hand of him who is with mine on the table will betray me. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. You talk about putting a spread in the presence of your enemies. But I love Luke's imagery here. Think about this with me. Dads, how many of you have married your daughter off or you're about to marry your daughter off, right? There, there'll come a day or there has been a day where you stood back there and you're hand in hand with your daughter, right? And you're standing there and you know this is the last moment. And you're remembering when, when she was little and she would climb up into your lap and you would hug her and she would give you kisses and she would tell you that she loves you. You, you remember the moments as you stand back there holding her hand when... When she would fall off her bike and she'd have a scratch on her knee and she would come in and you would wipe it and you'd make it better. And my, like my grandma, you'd put Bactine on it. Boy, that's the real stuff right there. Bactine. Put some Bactine on it. And you, you'd heal it and make it better. You remember sitting down with her imaginary friends and you'd have tea, right? And then you remember a few years later when she didn't have imaginary friends and y'all went to the movies and they were screaming their heads off the whole time there. You remember when she went on those dates and you disapproved of the guy that she was dating. You also remember the night that she came home with her heart broken. And you were the only person that could comfort her and mend the broken heart. And Jesus says it so well. Just like Judas's hand is with Jesus who's on the table, your hand was with her the entire time. And now you realize that you're about to walk her down. And you know what? Bride and father stand here. I've done this so many times and they look up at me and I look at them and dad's crying his face off and you know she is too but she's also excited for her fiance and, and I look at them and I say who gives this woman to be married to this man? And they, they look up at me and they look at her and they're really unsure if they really like the fiance that she's about to get married to <laughs> and they say her mother and I or I do. And what happens is the fiance comes down these stairs and they walk up and you know it's like this begrudging handshake that goes, happens between the fiance and the dad and he looks at his little daughter and he knows that he's kissing her goodbye and what he does is he takes her hand and he puts her hand in his hand. And in this moment, he's hands off. He is handing her off the trust, the comfort the love that he has given her is now being entrusted to somebody else. Now, I tell you all that to say this. When, you, when Luke uses this word betray, that is the imagery, not in a good way, a bad way, of what is going on here. That when we betray, we are handing off. 
That Judas hands off Jesus because Judas wants control. I think genuinely Judas believes that Jesus is the Messiah. He just doesn't like the way that Judas is going about it. And so he says, you know what? Uh, I'm sending you off. I'm handing you off to somebody else because I'm taking control. And whenever we hand Jesus off, he, become, he becomes hands off in our lives. Right? When we hand him away, he becomes hands off in that moment. And I wonder, how many times in your life have you decided, you know what? I really don't like what Jesus has to say when it comes to this relationship. I really don't like what Jesus has to say when it comes to dealing with how I deal with money. And so we say, you know what? I'm going to betray you. I'm going to hand you off because I want you hands off in my life. This is the first tough conversation that Jesus has. And so it continues. I love it. Here's, here's what happens next. They, meaning the disciples, immediately became, say it with me now, suspicious. They immediately became sp- suspicious of each other, and they began quizzing one another. <laughs> Wondering, who might, who might do this? Who might betray Jesus? And within minutes, they were bickering over which one of them was the greatest. You know, when you first meet people, I think you're curious about them. But then when you build relationships with them over time, you kind of share what's going on with you. You, I, you know, I share what's going on with me, and we, we kind of are honest, and a lot of times we have junk and we have messes in our lives, and we share that, and we're vulnerable, and we give that to people. But then you've had those relationships go south. Anybody ever had a relationship go south with somebody, a good friend? You told them everything that was wrong with your life, and all of a sudden, like, uh-oh. And what happens is there's uncertainty in that moment. And when there's uncertainty, we become suspicious. And when we're suspicious, we become insecure. That's really all greatness is, is comparative insecurity. In fact, this is my definition of greatness. It is comparative insecurity. Insecurity. You just look at celebrities, you just look at anybody that's on TV, and you know what? Their greatness is based upon comparative insecurity, that we measure our lives to the minority. Pastors do this all the time. I hate going to conferences. I quit going to conferences. You know why? Because it's, it's not fun for me. It's funny, when you go to conferences and there's all these other pastors, nobody talks to the pastors that have the big churches. Right when you go, you want to talk to the other pastors who are like, man, this is tough. It is rough. We're declining. We're not growing. I don't know if God's going to make this. And you stand there and you're like, yes, we're doing better than what we think we are. We're great. They're, they're in trouble. And what we do is we end up comparing our lives to people who are less than who God's created us to be. You use insecurity in order to make yourself feel better about where you are. And Jesus says this. I love it. It's interesting. He he flips it on him, and he has this great discussion with him. He says, for who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But he says, I am among you as one who serves. And he continues, you are those who have stood by me in trials. And I confer on you the kingdom, just as my Father has conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom of God. You see what Jesus does here? He owns the disciples' comparative 
insecurity. He owns your insecurity. He owns my insecurity. And he then uses that to empower people. It's no longer about me saying, look how much better I am than you because your life is a mess. Jesus says, no, let me take those messes and watch what happens. So here's the thing. You want to win somebody over? Use your weakness. You want to win somebody over? You want to show them who Jesus is? Live out of your weakness. You can empower other people by owning up and just saying it the way it is. You know what? I'm not the brightest. I get it. I'm not the brightest crayon in the crayon box. How do you say crayon? How do you say crown? I say crayon. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes I love connecting with people who feel insecure about not being smart enough, bright enough, and that they're going to fail in life. You use your own weakness to help other people win. Totally a different game changer. And so if the final conversation happens, and this is important. It is like the show The Titan. Have any of you watched The Titan with The Rock? Okay, just me. Anyway, it's a big obstacle course, and they have these giant walls. They have three of them, and you have to push these 600-pound walls up an, in, you know, a, a, an angle here, and they just kind of collapse all into one. And this is kind of what's going on here. One conversation leads to the next, and they're all kind of joined together in this one. And so Jesus, after saying what he says, says, Simon, stay on your toes. Satan has tried his best to, say it with me now, separate you. Simon has done, or excuse me, Satan has done his best to separate you like chaff from wheat. Simon, I've prayed for you in particular that you not give in or that you give out. And he continues, when you have come through the time of testing, turn to your companions and give them a fresh start. Peter said, listen, master, I will do anything for you. I will go to jail for you. I will die for you. And Jesus says, Peter, I'm sorry. But before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. You will deny me. The other day, it was my son's birthday. And um, some great people bought him some helium balloons. And I wasn't a jerk of a dad, you know, and sucked all the helium out and talked and sang funny. So I didn't do that. I was really tempted to. <laughs> but I didn't. So we took his balloons to his birthday party and... Uh, after his birthday party, we put him in the car and we went to Jewel. And as we were getting out to go into the grocery, you know how this happens. One of the balloons escaped. I know, right? It breaks your heart. You're like thinking the kid's going to lose. He's going to melt down. He's going to run after it and get hit by a car. But we're standing there in the aisle and we all, all of us, all four of us, just sit there and watch it. And we're like, it was blue skies. It was a windy day. And I was like, wow, I bet it's over Lockport. And we keep standing there. I don't know if cars were around, but wow, I bet it's over Oak Lawn. And eventually we were like, wow, I bet it's over Chicago. And now it's over like Michigan. And now it's probably in the horrible state up north, which I can never mention because I'm an Ohio State fan. <laughs> and so as I watched that balloon go away, we lost sight of it. We lost sight of it. And, and it's interesting because, again, this is the imagery that, that Luke is wanting us to understand, is that Peter, in this very moment, begins to lose sight of Jesus. You know, he's like, hey, this guy, we'll just hand him over, we'll betray him, because you know what, I don't think he's getting the job done. He stands outside and he realizes, hey, I'm comparing my life to Jesus, he's going to get crucified, I don't want to, I want to be great in this. 
And he loses sight of who Jesus is. But what's so interesting is this definition can also mean to lose sight of who you are. That when we lose sight of Jesus, we lose sight of who we are. Now, I I give you those three conversations to say this. Jesus gives us three difficult, hard conversations to say, when you betray, when you try to live a great life, when you deny me, you live into something less. You You know what we call that in the church world? Sin. Sin is just doing something other than that you were designed to to do. You know, it's so funny in church, we always talk about sin as the things that you shouldn't do. But we never view it as, hey man, something I get to do. Like, wow, if I live in sin, I can't do this. I don't get to do this. I don't get to be part of this. And God's saying, you are made for so much more. But the only way that you can step into that is by having this difficult conversation with me. And so really, this is the kind of place that we want to create. You know, we had really fun last two weeks talking about, whoo, hope, mission, forward movement. We want to move forward in our faith. We want to have a Jesus party. But I also want to create a culture and a community at the table where we can have difficult conversations. In fact, this is what I want you to know. The table is a place where we will have difficult conversations. Because when we have difficult conversations, people grow. We're going to have three practices. We're going to gather, we're going to grow, and we're going to get out. I want you to grow. But the only way that we can grow is through difficult conversations. In fact, over the last three years, I'll just be honest with you, I've not had difficult conversations with people. We just ignored it. We just let it go. We're just like, yeah, whatever, not a big deal. Just kind of let it do whatever it's going to do. And um, and, uh, in that moment... What I found is people did not have the hard conversations that needed to be had, and we did not grow in a way that was healthy. And so I would just want you to know, this is what we're going to do. This is where we're going to be. And the reason why I say that is because what Jesus says at the beginning of the story, here's what he says at the very beginning. I love it. He says, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. Do you understand that God desires, Jesus desires to eat this meal with you? And sometimes it means having a hard conversation, but either way, you are invited. And the more that we can begin to have those tough conversations, the more that we begin to grow and move forward in our faith, the more we can have difficult conversations outside. Remember this? Inside out. Inside out. Inside out. That we have to be transformed inside in order to reach people who are outside to then bring them inside so they can be changed inside and bring people on the out back in. You remember this, right? And so this last week, I realized sometimes we have to have difficult conversations here to have them out there. I met with our my boss, district superintendent, pretty fancy name. He is vibrant. I don't know how else to say it. He is vibrant. So I took him to the Southern Cafe here in Joliet, my favorite restaurant. And he is just exciting and loud and everybody knows that he's there. 
And um, I've been out with him to dinner before, but he, um, he, uh, the waitress comes over and he just starts right in. Hey, what's your name? You know, how are you? How long have you been working here? Are you single? Are you to college? Are you married? You know, he's just really, everybody's looking around. <laughs> what's, this, what's up with this guy? And he doesn't care. But he's asking this girl all these questions. And uh, so a little while, she comes back with our, our dinner, and I knew it was coming. She came back with our breakfast. I knew it was coming. And, and, he's, and he says, now, when he talks to people who don't speak English, he, he tries to say it in a way. He's like, we are people of faith. You know, it's like, no, dude, come on. But this lady spoke English. And so he was just like, it was a little bit uh, not so, you know, uh, over the top. He just said, hey, we're, we're people of faith. And uh, we like to pray for, for those who serve us. And so he said, is there any way that we can pray for you? And I'm like, oh, goodness, here we go. She's going to walk away. She stood there. And she thought about it. And she said, I would like prayer for strength. And so we prayed for her in that moment. Well, she walked away. We prayed for her as before we ate our meal. And then he keeps doing this thing. He would have her, she would come back over. And I thought, she's never coming back. She would come back over and he'd say, could you fill up my cup of coffee just an inch? And I said, not an inch and a half. Don't do it an inch and a half, just an inch. And he said, then I need you to take it. And I need you to go nuke it in the microwave. And so she would, and I mean, he probably did this 10 times, you know? And every time she'd come back, he would talk more and more and more. And then at one point, this is when it really got embarrassing. He goes, do you realize you're serving somebody famous? Talking about me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness. And she's like, no, I, I didn't know that. And he's like, this guy. And his church, they're starting a new church in Joliet, and it's gonna be like unlike any other church. You know how Dr. McCain is. And she's like, okay. And he says, man, you should go. It'll be like nothing you've ever experienced. He says, tell me about your faith life. She's like, I've been to church once in my life. I confessed my sins and I never went back. And he said, well, this'll be different. I promise you. She goes, you know what, I'll go, I'll go tell my friend. I'll go talk to my friend about it. She's like, when is your lunch? And I told her, it's in September. And she goes, do you have a card? No, I don't have a card. But we'd love to invite you to our dinner when we eat with a bunch of people who aren't church. Would you love to come? Yes, I'd love to come to that. And we had this amazing conversation with her. And here I was the whole time like, hey, don't say it. Don't say it, Dr. McGain. You know, don't say what you think needs to be said because it doesn't need to be said. And when we got up from the table, this 20-year-old girl who attends JJC has been working at the Southern Cafe for two weeks gives us a hug and so we get in my car and I said you know Dr. McCain I have to be honest I got my master's in this missional leadership thing missional this whole missional movement is about like subversive ways of talking to people about Jesus so we'll serve you coffee and somehow we'll maybe talk about Jesus or we'll go surf waves and you know if God comes up in the way we'll talk about it you know I really like that because it's uncomfortable or, I mean, it's comfortable for me. Uh, and then I said, you know what? I don't think it's working. Like, maybe, just maybe, we have to say what needs to be said because maybe people just want an invitation. And I kid you not, he was like, yes! And he punched my roof. He just punched my roof of my car. And I'm like, oh, dude, I don't really own this thing. Go easy, man. And he's like, yeah, we got to reach people for Jesus. And, you know, he's just excited. He's just like that. But from that, I walk away and I think, sometimes we are so ashamed to have a difficult conversation with people because we're uncomfortable. But have you ever thought that maybe they're just wanting you to have that difficult ask to say, come on, 
Come with me. And so when we have difficult conversations here, we can have difficult conversations out there to say, I've got something that you need to be part of. And I'm just going to say it the way it needs to be said. So I had these cool cards I was going to give you, the ones that I was going to give her. Uh, but Vistaprint did not print the back side of them. So, uh, you know, I'm going to reorder those. We'll have them here next week. But when you go out, the practice is, I'm going to try this difficult conversation. Just ask somebody about their life and invite them. Let's pray. Lord, we give thanks for this time. I thank you for these amazing people who have gathered here, who have decided to stand in your presence and celebrate what you have done for us. Sometimes, Lord, it is difficult to own up to where we are, and sometimes it's hard to hear what you have to say. But this morning, maybe, maybe you are speaking to some of us in a way that says, I've got something more for you. I've got something better for you. And so there are some of us here who really want to just give our life to you. And so in this moment, we just pray this prayer. Lord, I give my life to you. Jesus, I give my life to you. Because when I do that, everything will change. Lord, I pray that you would make this community that continues to grow and to move and to change lives. That is our prayer this day. In Jesus' name.